What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday. You know what that means already. You know the drill. I got an episode with a great content marketer. I'm joined by my man, Yag, who runs marketing at Avoma, one of the smartest marketers out there. He's a connector. He provides value. He's got one of my favorite podcasts going, ABM Conversations. I was so lucky to be a guest on his show. Had to bring him on the pod to be a guest. Got a little thunder going on in the background, if you can hear that. All good. We're operating in full speed, even when the rain, the thunder, the lightning comes pouring down. Let's go. The topic, great marketing happens when you strike a balance between what your customers want and what your North Star is. Man, that topic is rich. A lot to unpack there. Let's stop talking. Let's kick it to the conversation. Let's learn something from Yog. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. This is one I am excited for. I talk a lot about just meeting people online through content, and that is how me and today's guests met. We are very similar when it comes to thinking about marketing and serving our customers. And I know there's going to be a lot of insights that I learned from him today, but without further ado, I've got Yag Ganesh, who's the director of marketing at Avoma. He is the host of the ABM Conversations podcast. He is an author of several books. He has done TEDx talks. He does it all. Yag, without further ado, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Brett. I'm so happy to be here today. And uh, thank you for having me on your show. I'm super excited to uh, take this conversation forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just off the top, it might be interesting. And I know I tweeted about this and, you know, we, we, I've talked about it a lot, but I think since we met via just like being proactive and engaging, I think it'd be cool to maybe share the story real quick. Yag replied to our newsletter that we send out every week and he was sharing content and I read the content and it was really good. And then we just struck up a conversation where that led to content collaboration opportunities, us meeting each other, figuring out we're very similar and in, in similar and like-minded. And I think that's just a fun, fun thing to talk about. And as marketers, you know, you can't be isolated and siloed. You really got to find opportunities to be proactive and meet people. And this conversation wouldn't be happening unless Yag replied to one of our emails. So Yag, do you have any thoughts on just like how we met or just like your mindset when it goes to networking with other marketers? Yeah, absolutely. In a sense, I I loved uh, the newsletter. I remember my first conversation with Jonathan. When I looked at what Juice was doing, I was pretty excited. I wanted to know more. And that's where my first uh, interaction with your brand started. And then I subscribed to your newsletter. And when I uh, started receiving content, to me, I loved it because it was super focused on B2B SaaS folks and uh, the domain that we cater to. And I love the kind of topics that uh, you guys were handpicking. And it was not the kind of content that, hey, you know what, I'm dumping a lot of links here. But it was actually good quality content and it was towards a focused audience. And then I thought, um, it, my, when I reached out to you, I did not have the intent of using uh, it as a promotional content, but more like I thought this content would be useful to you. That's why I shared a podcast as well as uh, a blog content. I wanted to see what makes sense. And uh, from there, uh, you know, what I really loved that it, it, it was not just transactional. We had a conversation. And then, uh, you know, by now, I think I can uh, safely call you my friend because we, we think about a lot of things and we, we have a very similar style of working and a similar thought process towards marketing. And one thing that I really enjoyed about that conversation is that both of us don't uh, look at what I can get out of the other person. It's more about 
How can we collaborate? And what are the things that we can learn from each other? How can we contribute to each other's life? And I, I love this journey. So this is how I've been pretty much living for the last uh, 11, 12 years. This is amazing. Thank you. And uh, I'm so, so happy that we are here. Yeah. And even that, like I've been in this space for 12 years as well. So it's like, it's like me, <laughs> meeting, meeting an old friend that uh, in other parts of the world, but uh, I want to jump into the topic at hand. And I think this is a good topic and in, in just getting to know you and, and meeting you and kind of having that long-term mindset and coming from a place of abundance. But just like the theme of today's conversations is going to be great marketing happens when you strike a balance between what your customers want and what your North Star is. So before we maybe get into the weeds a little bit on this topic, I'd love to just get your like high level perspective on just that overarching topic and what it means to you. Right. So what happens is uh, typically, you know, we see this a lot, you know, uh, today social media has become a place where everybody is uh, posting those one-liners one or two-liners, which tends to sound profound, but uh, it's not really, right? So uh, we are talking about um, things that are super obvious. And when somebody says that, hey, you know, customer first, customer this, customer that, but the reality is that there is a balance there. Uh, in the sense, like, say, for example, with respect to Avoma, one of the things that I often realize is that when I talk to somebody from the sales tech landscape, you know, they are going to be telling me, uh, hey, you know what, you need to uh, position yourself uh, for salesperson. This is the language you need to talk. And when I talk to another customer, they are going to give their perspective. And marketing is one domain where, uh, you know, nobody comes to you and says that, hey, you know what, I don't have enough context about you, so I'm not going to give you a suggestion. So everybody shares something. But unless you have clarity as to what is the direction that uh, you're going and what is that the customer wants, and unless these two are aligned, the marriage is not going to happen. So you need to definitely cater to your customer, but at the same time, you need to prioritize if this is the direction that you want your product to take, you want your solution to take, you want your service to take, and that's how you decide if these two make sense. And the same thing holds, holds good for content as well. Before we get into the identification of topics and how you go do that, I'd love to know, is that, do you find yourself working internally with the product team and people trying to figure out where the product is headed, where it's going to go, and then start thinking ahead of messaging? Or how, how do you how do you kind of think about it from an internal perspective and then also uh, layering in that kind of customer feedback loop? Yeah, absolutely. It's a combination of uh, what our product roadmap is and what our prospects are asking for. So for example, um, the way I even uh, construct my content or any kind of messaging is um, fundamentally, I don't. I make sure that we are not writing for bots, right? So that's where uh, you start. And uh, the way I think about it is like, say, for example, if I'm, um, if I'm talking about a specific topic, like say, it so happened that one of our prospect was asking our account executive that, hey, you know what, I see this uh, thing about filler words in your product, and I want to know how does that impact a typical sales call? And now what happened was it immediately made me think. I went to my product folks. I asked them, hey, how many calls do we have access to? I see about 100 or so that happened in the last uh, you know, two or three weeks, but uh, can I have a larger pool that I can uh, tap into? And then I saw that there were a million calls that we could go back and do our analysis on. And then I realized there are three things there. The three things that we realized there was that, hey, you know what? Just because you use filler words, you're not going to uh, impact a sales deal. It's not going to go down. But at the same time, if you're using 
say 70% filler words for every 100 words, it's going to give a bad experience. It's going to sound like you're not confident or you're being nervous or you don't know what you're talking about. At the same time, if you're super polished, then you don't come across as uh, real because it feels all too, uh, you know, uh, practiced. It's, it doesn't feel real. So do that in moderation, have about one or two uh, person filler words in the conversation. It feels natural. And uh, that's how you do that. And now when I put that piece into a larger blog, it is not a salesy pitch, but it's about how things are used in real time. Now, uh, it also comes from the backdrop of where the product is going, where things are uh, going to be in the next two to three months, or what is the next iteration? What is the next uh, set of uh, new features coming up and things like that? So definitely that's there. But I think the larger piece is also getting feedback from your product team as to what I'm saying. You know, it's it's not just for me as a content marketer. Even sometimes it can happen with a salesperson, like say uh, the way a salesperson is demoing a product. And then they say that this feature is so-and-so. A product person can listen to that call and they can say that, hey, you know what? You could have explained this feature better by saying this so that they could have understand that. So the collaboration, I think, needs to happen at a holistic level, and it's not confined to just sales or marketing, unless everybody in the organization has that democratized access, access to your customer intelligence, we are not going to move towards the same direction. So that's that's how I come from. Yeah, I love it. And I think, you know, I've picked up on you and it's it's a buzzword, but like, you, you can just tell when you talk to someone that you're highly focused on serving your customer, a customer centric marketer, like you're, you're giving, you're, you're uh, trying to present value up front. So when you, when we're talking about like top of the funnel content, how are you making sure that I know you mentioned you're talking to your product team, getting insights on product roadmap, but how, how are you making sure that the kind of that top of the funnel content, or if I'm going to, meet Avoma for the first time that the message is going to resonate with me? Like, is there anything specific that you're doing, talking to customers, getting feedback from the market? Like, I'd love for you to share some more there. You know, this is a super interesting topic where I can literally go on a rant. Um, because Let's do it. Um, <laughs> see, uh, fundamentally, I don't believe in the idea of a top of the funnel content. Uh, let me uh, explain what I mean by that. So say a company like HubSpot coming in and writing an article about uh, how to do a GIF doesn't mean anything to their customer. It's not contributing to their journey and it does not make sense to anyone, probably because they are a huge company and they are driving a different level of volume of traffic to their website. Maybe it makes sense for them. But for an organization like us, you know, uh, I'm a one person marketing team and uh, when I'm driving traffic, I don't want a hundred K traffic that has just about 1% of people going on and signing up for the product. Right. So I would rather have uh, 10,000 people visiting month on month, and I would rather have about 25 to 30% of people signing up from there. So that's, that's what I'm looking at. So how do you do that is uh, pick up the topics that are most relevant and makes more sense to your prospect and customers. So this is the typical process that I follow. One, one thing that I do is that at Avoma, everybody has access to all the customer calls. I mean, say customer calls as well as the prospect calls, right? So once I listen to the kind of questions that people are asking about, that becomes a source of topic for me to write content. Now, the moment I get this, like, let's say, for example, if somebody uh, is having a customer success call and their core concern, they're trying to use this product for a typical customer success use case, and they are worried about churn, for example, how do I get potential uh, you know, churn signals from the product? Can I uh, you know, set up keywords for this or something like that? Now, once this becomes a topic, then I, I know that, so the, my selection is also that, right? So once this is a problem, 
And for any topic, I think about, uh, I, I give a ranking of one to three. In the sense, what one means to me is that if I talk about this topic and this problem statement, can I natively mention my product here? Now, I'm not going to say that Aoma does this, 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 but in, in the process of describing how to go about solving this, I'm going to show some screenshots and say that this is how you do it. So contextually, you show that. So that happens. So unless I, uh, you know, there is an opportunity to do that, I don't pick up that topic. Now, once that is identified, the next thing that I do is I also go and log into Ahrefs and I look at, hey, this is the problem statement. What is the closest keyword that I can look for to that uh, that has a decent search volume? You know, I, you don't go extreme on the uh, search volume alone and not intent. You try to marry these two. And now you understand that, okay, when I combine these, then I can drive traffic at the same time, it's going to be relevant traffic. And more importantly, anybody who is reading this, it's going to be useful. So I don't write like say 5,000 words uh, blog that nobody's going to read. At the same time, I don't write uh, something that's just about say 800 words, a thousand words just for the sake of blog. So it's, it's typically somewhere between 2,500 words, which has some depth. People know that when they consume this, uh, somebody is not trying to sell them hard, but they're going to get something out of that. And I, uh, the, the thing why I said that I don't believe in top of the funnel is that I don't want people to consume seven or eight pieces of content on different days before they come in and sign up the product, right? So I don't believe that that many touches are realistically going to happen. Yes, it's nice to say those things for stats, but realistically, I want to make sure that with every piece of content that I create, I reduce the number of steps in that journey. So that's how it, that's where it stems from. There's a uh, light bulb moment. Hopefully everyone has their notepads out. Everything you said there is on point. And I think what's important is you started off by saying, you know, you have access to calls and yeah. you listen to them and per- pull insights from that. And that's so good. And it's might seem so elementary and basic, but that can help level you up so much. It's just like spending time, like get on calls, listen to calls and like the amount of intelligence and insights that you'll be able to pull to help inform your next content topic or campaign. It'll, it'll, it'll make it way better than it would be if it was just you sitting here trying to create topics. uh, Yeah. You know, actually some, something that happened uh, way back in my life about like, say uh, early in my career, I was in one of those meetings where uh, I was an intern. And the first question that my boss in that company asked the marketing team while we were in a a meeting room is that, Hey, you know what, this is the plan. This is what we are going to do, but who's going to do the content. And then, uh, the marketing manager in that team said that, hey, you know what, we have a set of uh, content writers who will take care of all these things. And the first question that this guy asked is that, hey, you know what, is it going to be somebody who has no access to this meeting that we are having today uh, and who has never spoken to a customer? Is he going to be writing this piece of content that's going to change the life of customers? And I was like, oh, wow. The, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, my MBA and all those things never gave me these kind of inputs. I was like, this is real, man. This is, you know, I want to become this kind of a marketer. And at the same time, it's not about the number of tools that you're going to use. And, and another thing that the, the person also told me is that, hey, you know what, Yag, remember one thing, a fool with any kind of tool is still a fool. So make sure that you ha- you have clarity on where you're going and what you're going to use it for. And that's why my jog and my run every day uh, you know, uh, I I hear podcasts or I'm hearing customer calls during that. And that gives me the idea to come in and work for that day. I love it. It's amazing those moments. And we've all had them in our career that 
helped shape you as a marketer and that you'll never forget. Just to like put an exclamation point on that, it's don't outsource your content to other people when you can go do it yourself. Like you're the one with the knowledge, the insights, and the one that can help get attention, change the game, know your customers better than anything. So I love that story. And uh, that message definitely resonates with me. I want to get back to the size thing, something you kind of glossed over, but I think it's critical is that we're in this like as B2B marketers, it's all about volume all the time. It seems like it's like more, 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 more leads, more everything. And when you take a step back, you you got to look at these companies or these people or in the resources they have that are saying this and you reflect back and you and I are, we're, we're small marketing teams. It's like, I'm not setting out to go like move mountains and change the world and, and generate as many conversations as humanly possible overnight. It's just like, I'm trying to be realistic and it's those small things. So I've heard you say like, forget funnel. It sounds like we might be going to war with HubSpot a little bit in this one. Although I I think we can both agree we're HubSpot fans, uh, or at least I am. I mean, Um, that's where I started learning my marketing. So I do props to them. Yeah. Mad props to HubSpot, but, but just like, you know, funnels, flywheels, uh, you know, that we, we can both agree that they're, they're good concepts and they're good, like as entry points, but content creation and topic selection should really be about like the size of your your marketing organizations. Can you talk a little bit about how you as a marketer of one at Avoma is, is thinking about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the first things that uh, I really appreciate about, um, you know, I, I think I'll also give you a little bit of background of how jo- I joined Avoma and how this all made sense. The first thing is that, you know, my career is divided into two parts, uh, a, a set where I joined a company as a marketer, I was given a product or a set of products to promote. And then uh, this phase is that I decided at some point that, hey, you know what, this is not what I want to do. I want to pick up something that I super truly believe in that I can put my name on and I can uh, say 100% be authentic about what I'm saying. I can um, say carry a, a sense of like, you know, somebody, if I put my name on it and people can tomorrow come back and ask me that, yeah, you said this, but this is not happening and I'm accountable for that. So I'm I'm happy to carry that accountability. And I was a user of Avoma and I reached out to Aditya and I said, hey, you know what? I absolutely love this product. This is like, I see that you don't have a marketing person on your team and uh, I would love to be that person. Are you open for it? And he said, uh, let's let's get on a call. And he had already followed my work for the last uh, five, six years. And, uh, you know, he had some context. And then three months, uh, three weeks down the line, I had the offer. Then the moment we started, the first thing that Aditya told me was, you know what, Yag, I'm not going to give you targets like this should be the monthly traffic or this should be the number of leads that I want every month. Uh, plain and simple, let's do good marketing. And uh, if you get the fundamentals right, everything that you're doing, if it's going to be useful for the prospect and useful for the customer, then uh, the results are going to be a byproduct. You know, it's it's going to happen. And uh, it's it's one of those uh, uh, companies where I was super happy uh, that, hey, you know what, somebody really gets it. And uh, that's where they're coming from. And that's how I think as well. So that's where it started. In terms of size, how I pick up uh, topics or how I pick up my activities is that right now, if this is a priority for me or not, um, like say, for example, if I want to do 10 different things, and if I would say that, hey, this is going to bring me this result, there are certain things that are going to be short term. There are certain things that are going to be long term. We need to divide that. Like say, for example, 
something uh, something on the lines of a brand uh, we are pretty clear that it should not be an afterthought uh, we make sure that uh, hey you know what uh, we participate in podcasts like this or we do some webinars or we are out there in the community connecting with people and eventually other thing that's also happening is that any customer who starts using our product by default starts talking about it on you know different public forums and that happens and then the second thing is that we thought in terms of content we'll make sure that every piece of content that we create uh, is it's not about broadly just educating what conversation intelligence is all about or you know we are not here to create a wikipedia page but uh, we are fundamentally here to make sure that anybody who comes in with a pain point or is looking for a solution to a problem they get to understand uh, how to do that like say uh, one of my favorite companies that does great content is hrefs you know when i look at their content that's something that really inspires me and uh, the i share the same thought process of uh, tim solo he also thinks in a very similar manner right so think about that case anybody i mean it's one of those rare companies hrefs where uh, if you have to sign a free trial of the product it's not there even for the 7 day trial you have to pay 7 dollars and that's the conference because everybody's exposed to what the product is they know how to solve a problem using a b or c in that particular product and people who have that knowledge sign up for the product so that's the problem that i'm trying to tackle i'm i'm making sure that it's not like people discover avoma when they are looking at some of our competing products and discover us as an alternative i'm rather saying that this is the dna this is what we stand for this is where avoma comes from and start your search from here so that's that's what i'm going after i love it and i just the to the story that you shared about just do good marketing and that was kind of like the marching orders i love it and it allows you to operate in a way that is thinking customer first and not thinking about your metrics first which i think is cool and i I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on this so this morning actually like i was trading emails and i created a document and i was trying to like be helpful to some new people that had joined the juice and as i'm like a buyer of our of our product i'm trying to think of if i'm in my shoes like how would i want to be approached and like the things i just kept back coming back to with what we're doing and who it's a great fit for is the person or the marketer who has that long term mindset and like this is like a topic as i'm trying to fig- figure out like new marketer old marketer it seems to me that a bunch of these new marketers the people that are kind of creating frictionless content experiences that are prioritizing jumping on people's podcasts that th- this and that it's these people have this long term mindset that it's all of these things that i do it might not generate immediate results but over time these things compound and then it will lead to the brand that I'm working for be in a better light. And then ultimately, if my our brand based on these activities over a period of life is in a is is in a good place, we're going to be begin to build trust with the market. And then once we establish trust, then people are going to be coming to us at, from a place of authority. So I just have had this like moment of realization as I've been thinking about all the marketers that I've talked to recently. But like that is that make sense to you from like a there's long term long game marketers and then there's the short term transactional marketers. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm in concurrence with you. Um, one of my favorite quotes comes from uh, Naval Ravikant, the CEO of Angelist. You know, he has the statement that goes like, "Play long term games with long term people." Uh, so that's something that I truly believe in, and something that I you know internally I share uh, with my colleagues is another statement that goes like. 
uh, nature uh, uses its longest threads to weave its tapestry. You know, that's that's how it's going to be, right? So at the end of the day, you want to build relationships with people. It's not like, uh, yes, uh, short-term things are also equally important, but those short-term things need to be steps that contribute to what you want to achieve in the long term. Uh, that's how it needs to be. But it's not like, you know, hey, I'll do these 10 hacks to achieve this. Uh, that's not going to work. Like the more, uh, and over the last 12 years, what I've realized is that the more you try to hack the system, the more farther that you're getting from your prospects and customers, because you're not, you're missing the opportunity to create trust. But at the same time, I also want to you know uh, say that you need to make sure that while you do this long-term thing, you need to make sure that you're using that opportunity to help your prospects and customers and your target audience understand why you do things in a certain way. Now, there's a lot of confusion on one side where there's this huge bus in the valley where people are talking about, hey, you know what, create a category, create a category, create a category. But the point is when you are a smaller company, uh, you know, when you're trying to create a category, it's too difficult. It takes a lot of money, a lot of investment, a lot of PR, lots of different kinds of stuff. Uh, it happens when you start with identifying a small niche to whom you really resonate the best. Identify that niche, identify the message, and that's where you start stuff, right? So once you start there, then you start expanding. Now, if people tell me that, hey, you know what, Drift did a great job. Again, look back what they did. You know, these, uh, when Intercom was really... A unicorn drift came in. They started with a narrative saying that, hey, you know what? We are only for marketers and we are only for salespeople. So they said conversational marketing. They did not say we are a revolutionary chat software, right? That's where they started. Then they said conversational sales. And now they're saying that, hey, you know what? This is time that we have done all of these things. Now we have to unify this and make a category. And that's when, after all these years, now they are saying that, hey, you know what? We are all about revenue acceleration. So that's where they have ultimately landed. So I think that's where it is. We need to understand where we are right now. And we need to, uh, one thing that people need to be very clear about is that what you are today is always going to be a moving goalpost. You evolve and your customers are also going to evolve. And as long as you're being transparent about who you are today to your customer, things will always work. I would rather go into the customer and, uh, you know, on a call and say that, hey, you know what, uh, you're right about these things. There are a few things that you're asking for we don't have today. But this is where we are coming from. This is our roadmap. If you believe in us and if you think this is uh, you align with this ideology of where we come from, then uh, let's work together. But at the same time, if X, Y, and Z is what you're exactly looking for, then that particular competitor is a better fit for you. And I would always say that they are good. Maybe you can uh, take that. This is not for us today. And uh, people appreciate that. Don't sleep on what Yag just said there about focusing in, sh shrinking the pool and being very, very specific. I think, you know, we all get emails from salespeople. If you're a marketer out there, listen to this, you get these emails all the time. Most of the emails, you get it, you, you look at it and it looks like you're, you're in the same sales cadence as everyone else and you hit delete because it's very broad. But every once in a while, you get that message that's very highly personalized to you in your role and you read it, and then you might read it again. Then you might think, hey, I might actually respond to this email. And that is because of personalization, the yeah. salesperson shrinking the pool. And I think the drift story, like we could do a whole episode on that. Like <laughs> their, their positioning and the way they went to market, it, it makes so much sense based on the product market fit and what was happening on in the landscape. So again, like I go back to this, 
everyone wants one, to one thing i would like to yeah, add to what you it. just said uh, is that you know when uh, there's often a misconception about when it comes to personalization right so you you spoke about how do i personalize in an email so one of the things that i immediately noticed when i came into aboma is that hey generally everybody is talking about a 30 to 35% open rate on emails as as a marketing standard and we said hey you know what that doesn't make sense for a company of our size because like say you know the moment if i'm going to be sending a huge chunk of emails and then only 30% of them end up opening i'm already tapering down the amount of contacts i'm already building a lot of i mean uh, burning a lot of bridges and it's it's not going to really help and that's when we started decide that hey you know what every single email that we send out we are probably not going to send more than uh, say uh, 30 emails a day or probably 20 emails a day whatever but we need to make sure that every single email although it's sometimes automated to make sure that it it reaches sure. uh, we we do a little bit but at the end of the day it's important that it's really relevant to the person who is reading it and that what i mean is that personalization is not like hey you know what i met you on linkedin i saw that we have common connections i i saw that we support for uh, you know the same football club these things don't help it needs to be relevant to what that person is trying to achieve in that company in their context so the timing of the email and uh, you know the relevance of what people are trying to achieve is of utmost importance that's something that i wanted to add to no i love that and that takes time to do right that takes resources and a whole company to get behind and it's 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 getting there understanding that like hey we can't just send the same email out to everyone but we're trying to deeply understand the priorities the pain points of the people that we're reaching out to um i want to move over to growth and talk about growth we've talked a lot about brand the message in the market but just like how do how do you think like with i think you know old hat cmo looks at this conversation and thinks about it and they're like well this is all fine and dandy like but how are how are you growing as a company like if you're doing branding if you're doing like we need jet we need to accelerate revenue right now we need things to happen like i think to me as i think about it it's like well grow, we all should share whether it's marketers we should all, or sales people we should all kind of share in this ability to grow as a business since it's our our primary kpi it's what we you know answer to the board we answer to investors we answer to you know all of our stakeholders is growth so like talk to me maybe about just like you're a marketer but i know based on your activities you're focused on growth and i would imagine sales people at avomar too so like talk to me a little bit about growth not just maybe siloed but just within an organization yeah absolutely so a growth for us is something that is not very specific to marketing as a department we look at how each and every department contributes to growth and that's the basis of um, how the product is also built or the collaboration that happens within the product and things like that so fundamentally when we are looking at it we are looking at hey where you want to be uh, in the next quarter where you want to be in in the next one year or so and um, who are going to be so it's 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 a part of like looking forward at the same time also looking backwards and seeing that hey you know what uh, who are our um, happiest customers at this point once you look at that you get a lot of insight now what i mean by that is let's say for example you have about 100 customers and um, if you if you have been a ceo and if you have been there you will um, you can say right off the hat that Hey, you know what there are 30 customers who absolutely love our product and they will never ask for a discount they absolutely love what we do and these are the kind of customers that i want again and again and then you will also have a list of about say 10 customers who create a lot of problems and that's not uh, and also they've all been also asking for deep discounts and they don't see value in the product 
and it's not a right fit. Now, once you've identified that, then you also track back to what, you know, talk to these uh, 30 people and try to understand what is that, that they absolutely loved about your product. And then sometimes it can be, uh, uh, you know, leading you to a call of change in positioning, or it can be uh, helping you to identify the right channel to focus on. And, uh, or even the right kind of companies, you know, it could be an industry, it could be a specific niche. And then uh, you identify those communities around that and invest all your energies on that. But that said, I always believe that all these should happen in the combination of inbound and outbound, uh, holistically speaking. The reason I say this is that when you have inbound, yes, it's, it's nice to have inbound because your CAC is low. But uh, the thing is that you don't control the destiny of the kind of customers that you get through inbound. You know, it could be just people, there are two people who are subscribing to your product in the company and uh, it's, it's not going to uh, lead to the kind of MRR and the ARR that you're looking for. At the same time, when you go outbound, you have somewhat control on the kind of companies that you want to go after. But that said, uh, there is also an issue there that you start with, this is where I want to be. These are the kind of accounts. And going down that path, sometimes you realize that hey, you know what, I was wrong in identifying the kind of accounts. Maybe there are nuances that I need to learn. But this, this is what comes from the marketing and sales side of things. Now, when it comes to customer success, right? So there are two parts here. Now, they also have the angle of doing upselling and reselling. But the most important part is how they can increase the uh, longevity of their lifetime with the particular product. You know, do you identify any churn signals? It could be something as simple as a prospect. When, when you do your uh, customer check-in conversations, if they start talking about things like, you know what, we have this in-house development or we have this leadership change, we have a change in direction. These are all some of the keywords that should, uh, you know, um, hit, hit a bulb in your head and say that, you know what, hey, they're talking about these things. Maybe uh, there is there is some potential signal that they are they might churn. How do I make my company more relevant towards the goals that they are going at? And how do I, uh, you know, position myself better with them? And again, the, also that aligns with your product. Can you do something product led to uh, proliferate yourself in a company. You know, the product guys can look at that. That side, uh, product led is another total different debate that I, uh, you know, I can go into. But one of the things that I want people to be careful about when it comes to product led is that no company can be 100% product led. If somebody says that, they are probably saying it because that's their narrative. That's what they want to promote. But realistically, it is product-led and sales-assisted and marketing-assisted. Uh, unless people know who you are and you exist, uh, product-led doesn't happen. Product-led happens for scaling and it doesn't start there. That's good. Let's close it out talking about conversation intelligence. I think something that you said earlier got my attention and I'd love to learn about what you do with this. But you said, if I heard you correctly, one of the things when you're on when you're on runs that you'll listen to some of the customer calls and conversations. So you, you're a student of the game, right? You're infusing kind of work life into your uh, management of your, your health, which I, which I love. And I think a lot of people who are B2B marketing junkies uh, can, can relate to, I certainly can, but so you get back from a run, you get done listening to a customer call. What, what types of things are you doing with that call or those insights and information? Like, how are you sharing what you've learned across your organization? Like, I'd love to share a little or have you share a little bit of perspective on just like the power of kind of conversation intelligence and like potentially like how it could break down silos and give you inspire maybe your next idea. 
Yeah, absolutely. So there are three parts to it. Uh, how do you look at things before the conversation, during the conversation, and after the conversation, right? So, so the way I look at conversation intelligence is that before the call, how do you get prepared? Uh, it could be a set of research. It could be a set of things that you want to uh, make sure that you're covering in the call. So um, you know, you could create a meeting template based on the kind of call. So one of the things that we do within the product is uh, we create different templates. So it could be like a discovery call template. It could be an interview template if I'm doing an uh, interview with somebody and things like that. So the idea of this is not to create a script that I want to speak word by word, but to create a, a ballpark of bullet points that I make sure that I do not forget hitting on those things. You know, at the end of the day, that's the fundamental point that you're even having a discovery conversation, right? So you do that. And the second part of uh, conversation intelligence is that while I'm talking to you, I want to actively listen to you and not be distracted by anything. I don't want to sit down. Yes, I know taking is important, but um, imagine this, you know, you're talking and I'm taking notes and there are going to be these awkward pauses. You you think that, hey, I'm, I'm taking notes, I'm giving importance, but then there's a distraction there. I'm, I might probably not be 100% into every single nuance that you're saying. So that's where a note-taking element can automatically take notes. Again, what I mean by notes is that it's not transcripts. Yes, transcripts are there, but note-taking is like, you know, you take bullet points or something like, uh, say, hey, these are the competitors that uh, Brett mentioned, or these are the pain points that he was talking about. And bullet points, it could be a small summary that gets automatically updated into a CRM so that... Um, I don't have to worry about the salesperson going in typing all these things manually into the same. That's that's a whole another issue that generally most CRM companies face, right? So that's one part. Finally, uh, the intelligence aspect is that how, when I go on on a run, you know, I cannot listen to ten calls in that one hour. Um, so I have to look at these notes and I have to pick up which are the ones that are more interesting to me. You know, uh, the kind of questions I look at these uh, summaries and decide, hey, th- these are the two calls that I want to listen. Now, once I do that, or it could be that I can even go back and look at the holistic tracker, the analytics part, and I can decide which is more important for me. Like say, for example, if I'm going to go in and create a a competitor deck, right? So, and now I'm looking at which one do I prioritize? There are two things. One thing I can say that, hey, you know what? These are the two companies that we compete with. But what if that's not the reality? Uh, like say, for example, a, a brand new chat tool can say that we are uh, we are competing with Intercom and Drift, but Intercom and Drift may not even know that these guys exist and neither their customers, right? But what the reality could be flipped when I uh, hear the customers saying this, when I do a search uh, into the analytics and I say that, hey, you know what? Uh, here's a leaderboard of uh, competitors that we often get compared with by our prospects. And these are the top two. And that's that's where I start with a far more data-driven approach and saying that these are the two people that you're comparing me with the most. And it makes sense for me to put in my efforts to build those competitor decks for those two companies. And uh, similarly, uh, think of the same intelligence if it's going to be used by uh, somebody in the product dev side, they're going to think about, hey, uh, you know, this is the things that people say to our customer success folks. And this is what I want to develop based on what the customers say. Sometimes we can even make it more interactive. You know, I, I can say that during a call, if somebody says that I'm facing issue with this product, blah, 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 I will just select that part of the conversation. It becomes a two minute snippet that I drop into Slack. I don't have to type out in detail saying that this is what the product, uh, this is what issue that this guy is facing. Here's this two minute video snippet. You understand what it is. Let's go fix it. So this is how you um, you know start from the intelligence and listening all of these things and immediately collaborate with whoever the relevant person 
across your company regardless of the department you break down that friction you know the the frictionless thing that you guys uh, at juice are doing that's exactly the the i think that's also another thing that we commonly align with we break that friction there and make sure that we seamlessly align so that um, nobody questions what marketing is doing what sales is doing everybody knows that we are running towards a common growth direction great marketing happens when you strike a balance between what your customers want and what your north star is there was a ton in this episode and I learned a lot. I hopefully everyone out there did too. Yag, this was awesome. It is a marketing podcast, so we got to get you to plug some stuff. People who are hearing this, wh- where should they go to learn more uh, from you or from Avoma? Yeah, so uh, people can go to avoma.com. It's A-V-O-M-A. If you guys are wondering what Avoma stands for, it is a very organized meeting assistant. So it's avoma.com. You can go in and sign up for the product and you get a 14-day free trial. you can also check out my uh, podcast the abm conversations podcast is it's pretty much available on all podcasting apps i'm i'm always happy to connect with you guys on linkedin that's the place where where i hang out the most and happy to connect thank you so much thanks so much yag a lot to share and i know we could have probably gone another uh, uh 50 minutes or so so we'll have to get you back on to talk more marketing yeah absolutely i had a lot of fun and uh, your questions were awesome it made me think on the feet so i enjoy these kind of conversations so a uh, great questions spark great conversations so thank you for that awesome take care all right thank you so much insight so much knowledge dropped by yag really love what he's doing and love his approach go check out avoma go check out all of his content going to put the links in the show notes if you like what we're doing over here hit that subscribe button leave a review go enjoy your frictionless content experience today the juicehq.com it's free have a great weekend you've earned it take care